This show is a part of the Versus the Universe Network. For more information on Versus the Universe, go to VersusTheUniverse.com. That's VSTheUniverse.com. Yo, what's up? What is your favorite kaiju? My favorite kaiju? Like giant monster kaiju? That's what you mean? Yeah, I guess it doesn't have to be Japanese. Mm, you know, or Chinese. I, I immediately, Japanese. I think it's, I think it's Japanese because the kaiju, did kaiju originate with Godzilla? I that is something I would have expected you to know before me. Gosh, I'm. I know really that Godzilla is Japanese. I just, I, I like the first time I ever heard of kaiju was because of Godzilla, and Godzilla was made in Japan because of the World War II fallout stuff. But um, I would, you know, favorite kaiju. I go to Pacific Rim. I love Pacific Rim. Pacific Rim is a place and not a kaiju. The film in Pacific Rim, there's one specific kaiju that has wings and ends up uh, taking gypsy danger like all up into the stratosphere. And it's awesome. I love it. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Who's your favorite kaiju? It might be Mothra. Yeah. Mothra's pretty solid. I mean, my favorite kaiju movie is probably Godzilla versus Mothra. Wow. That's like an older one. Like the 80s I grew the 70s? up watching those. Yeah, yeah, I haven't actually seen all of the various new ones yet. I feel like I'm low energy right now. Well, let's get you up. All right. Liz, we got to get you pumped up for the podcast. You think you're a little low energy. I'm going to say a series of things in an attempt to get you to be high energy. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Number one, Horizon Zero Dawn. Yeah. All right. Number two, uh, uh, being really warm when it's cold outside. That mostly just makes me sad because I'm not feeling that right now. Okay, number three, chocolate-covered pretzels. Chocolate-covered pretzels are good, but you always get milk chocolate. What's wrong with that? It's fine. It's just like adulterated dark chocolate. All right, all right, fine. Uh, Dark chocolate. Yeah. All right, number five, Monster Hunter World. I do like Monster Hunter World. All right, see, are you excited now? I feel very excited. All right, cool. Great, great, great. I'm ready to pod this cast. All right, I think you had a question for me, though. Oh, my question was, would you like to clink? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Welcome to the Cooperatives Podcast with the real-life human couple, Liz and Aaron, where we discuss the joys and sorrows of gaming with a significant other. Today, we're talking about a little game called Monster Hunter World. Monster Hunter World is a game developed and published by Capcom. If you're out there and you go, oh, who's Capcom? What's Capcom do? Well, guys... And gals, that is the developer and publisher that takes care of Resident Evil, Mega Man, and oh, a little game called Street Fighter, some of my favorite games growing up. I'm a big Capcom purchaser, I would say. Yeah, I feel like I used to just only associate Capcom with arcade games, basically. Well, I mean, Street Fighter was the arcade game for the longest time, and then Mortal Kombat came around, and... Uh, I, I think Capcom really ended up hitting the, the home console market around like the Super Nintendo era mm-hmm. when the Mega Man games were huge and Street Fighter 2 Tournament Edition was uh, was like the the game to have as a uh, prepubescent <laughs> boy in grade school. What? The qualifiers were good. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Um, but Monster Hunter World is available on PC, PS4, and Xbox One. We've been playing for the past week on the PS4. We have. So this is my, and I think also your, first Monster Hunter game. Yeah. Um, have you ever heard of Monster Hunter before? No. So here's what's crazy is I felt like it came out of nowhere. Obviously, I was drawn to the fact that there's some DLC that allows you to play as Aloy. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I just felt like I heard a whole bunch of it all, uh, mm-hmm. all about it all at once. And then... 
people started talking about other ones because mm-hmm. it's not called like Monster Hunter 5, right? So I didn't really realize that. But there's how many few, are there? So I don't know the exact number because there's ports upon ports, but there's like Monster Hunter Generations, Monster Hunter 1, 2, 3. And in my time working at GameStop, all I knew about Monster Hunter was that people would play it on PSPs, on the Vita, on 3DS, and I always thought it was more of a handheld game. This is what I've been told is the most accessible console version of Monster Hunter. And to my surprise, there's a lot of people on our friends list on PS4 playing this game at the same time. Right. Also, the Wikipedia page is astoundingly detailed. Oh my goodness. Somebody is dedicated. Uh, There's no easy answer to how many games there are. I thought I could maybe... Definitely more than 10. Maybe more than 15. It's been around for a while. It's it's unusual that I have just never even heard of a game Mm -hmm. when so many exist. Although, I think the handheld console... Handheld console? Handheld handheld device market took off. And I mean, I I couldn't even name to you all of the Nintendo DSs. It's really atrocious so, how many SKUs they have. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, well, and the handheld market is way bigger in Japan. Like, exactly. the Vita was a big deal in Japan. The 3DS is still a big deal in Japan. So, yeah. So, it has been on mostly handheld devices, some consoles. Mostly handheld, a little bit of console. And, and Is this the first MMO? So, it's not really an MMO. It's, it's kind of... When I play this game, it makes me think of Destiny. Well, right. I mean... Sure. I guess I would call those both MMOs, but what I mean is, and we'll get into this more, but you can play with other people in the world. Yeah. So, is this so, the first time that you can do that? Um, no. So let's back up a little bit. So, right. so the whole overall concept of Monster Hunter is pretty much right there in the title. You are a Monster Hunter. You go yeah. out and you hunt monsters and you upgrade your gear and you go out and you fight more monsters. Yeah, um, there's a lot of talk in the coverage of the game about like the gameplay cycle. Yeah, which the is, loop. Yeah, the loop, which is just you get a quest, you eat food before the quest, you go hunt the monster, you cut up the monster and take parts home, and then you go home, start all over again. And and can I just say that to me doesn't sound like too intriguing of a gameplay loop, right? But a lot of the set dressing in this game is really interesting, like. Your your hunter, your character that you will make, you can be male or female, you can modify the way that you look, but you get a little companion called a palico. Oh my gosh, which it's is, a little kitty. It's just a cat. It's literally just, do you want a cat companion? And you can change its fur color, you can change its eyes and its ears, and I think Liz and I spent like two hours making just oh, our at cat. at least. Yeah. Um, and and my person, but that's yeah. I'm like notorious in this house for that. At any rate, we I, should yeah. like... Big picture. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I want to, I, but I keep wanting to back up because the reason why I got interested in playing this game with you specifically was there was DLC for Horizon Zero Dawn. Right. That's what I mentioned. Yeah. And in the trailer for that, you just saw Aloy from Horizon Zero Dawn, Liz's favorite video game character, maybe of all time now? I don't know. I'll reserve judgment Definitely on that. Up there. But, but I love her. Yeah, and you just see this person like firing arrows at this big T-Rex type monster with wings. This is a great time for me to introduce our cocktail of the day. Oh yeah. So what I have made for us is called a hungry anginath. An anginath? What's that? It's the game's name for the T-Rex monster. And it's basically. purple and blue and very scary. Yeah, it's like a little pinkish looking almost. Mm-hmm. So, which is why I made this the way I did. It's rye 
and extra ginger mm-hmm. ginger beer. And then we had these That's ice cubes. That's what that taste is. We had these ice cubes that were like partially formed giant cube ice cubes. So they had little jagged edges sticking up like mm-hmm. teeth. And then I put a little uh, Campari floater on top. So it'd be like a little bit like jagged edges with blood. And then like a little swirl of lemon peel. Like it was eating some vegetation. Yeah, the ice cube looked like it has teeth. It was really nice. Yeah. I just, you know, we got those questions about the cocktails for the <laughs> games. And I was like, I got to step up my cocktail game. Yeah. And then I just chugged a bunch of it to give me energy. And now I feel a little sleepy. Yeah. We're doing it. <laughs> um, so this is one of the one of the only games that I think we were initially so taken by the marketing. Or more specifically, like a marketing tie-in. And... It seemed like out of nowhere, the game just snowballed with hype and suddenly everyone was playing it and here we are. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I may have ended up trying it because it is, it's a type of game, the solo gameplay is a type of game that I enjoy. But yeah, definitely the Aloy tie-in was what got me to be like, sure, let's pre-order this. And there is a Mega Man tie-in where your cat Palico friend is just little Mega Man from Mega Man 1, 2, or 3. That's pretty cute. I can't wait. So, yeah, I mean, I guess we covered... The story is sort of wrapped into what this loop is. And this being my first game, um, usually I'm a stickler for doing things in order, in order. And like making sure that I have story continuity and whatever. But that was clearly not kind of the point of this game. So you start out... And you just are on this ship that is bound for the quote unquote like new world or new Mm -hmm. land. You're a member of a group called the Fifth Legion. And um, somebody comes over and starts talking to you. And that sort of like segues into the character building part of it where you spend, you know, two hours making your face like I do. Uh, And then, you know, the ship crashes and all kinds of stuff happens i won't spoil it too much but basically then you're just like in this new place Mm -hmm. and the the main camp is called astera and you buy supplies you build armor there's a lot of collecting and crafting which is something that i really like to do in games definitely your jam yeah i mean basically what surprised me so far about this is i love like dragon age inquisition and i like destiny but the kind of gun gameplay has just never it's never wowed me and Mm -hmm. intrigued me in the same way uh and this kind of takes the best parts of both of those to me in some ways this is a third person adventure game so you always see your character right yeah so like dragon age you're running around Mm -hmm. um and like horizon zero dawn and i have become pretty adept at using a bow and arrow yeah and Thank I actually you, had an option to do that in this, which is great because I just don't really like melee combat that much. It, yeah, I don't know. It's it's like surprising me how much I'm liking it. So so much of the discussion that I want to have around this game takes place like I think maybe a little bit later in the episode, but I feel like the game is just about that gameplay loop. It's yeah, so much about just going out into the world, fighting stuff, becoming stronger fighting bigger stuff and really the reward is just knowing that you can take down these monsters and craft new things right so it's crazy too that it's it's like an open world kind of once you get into it a little bit so you leave whenever you leave the camp you're just in this huge open area and there's all kinds of 
plants and fungus and like if you wanted to just be a person who walked around and looked at stuff you kind of could yeah. for a lot of it like you might get attacked but like there are peaceful monsters there's right, there there's are, a monster there's that like looks like an ankylosaurus that, and i right. was obsessed with those yeah um I mean, you can spend a lot of time just doing that. So, like, that exploratory part is there. And then, yeah, to advance the story, because there is a little bit of a through line. You do have to bite things eventually. Um, but, yeah, it's, like, this big, beautiful, complicated world that you're traveling around in. You can climb all kinds of stuff. It reminds me of, like, Pandora from Avatar or, like, a fern gully. Yeah, so, so a lot of the, quote-unquote, monsters resemble dinosaurs yeah. basically or dinosaur like things or some not if not dinosaurs like some other sort of like paleolithic era creatures like a rhino that has like a hammerhead instead of a horn right and like fish that are kind of dinosaur yeah. <laughs> you know so that kind of thing like it's it's pretty it's a pretty simple game to explain in the sense that you go out you kill dinosaur or you kill monsters right. you get stronger you go back out uh, you can team up with up to four people and play cooperatively. And so what Liz and I have been doing is teaming up online to go on missions and quests and take down some like Anjanath type creatures and complete quests. And that's been thrilling. Um, yeah, we fought a giant dodo bird thing. Oh, screw that thing. I hated that. Well, I loved hunting it, but right. oh man, it just kept running away. And then there was like some giant kind of tough skinned creature with like a big shovel head that like slams into the ground mm-hmm. and it's all kinds of different stuff there's definitely some dragon like creatures there that there's I definitely really a lot of cutscenes that like you see something in the distance and you're like you're gonna have to fight that right. one of these this days is really big and yeah. and there's um we should mention like part of the hunting is tracking which mm-hmm. i think is really cool and i haven't played a lot of games like even in Horizon Zero Dawn, you you can hunt creatures, but you don't really track. Mm-hmm. So in this game, you'll encounter tracks, and you kind of like look at them, and you know the game does it for you. You press the button, and it's like, oh, you're learning more about this creature, and eventually you learn enough that you have these. They're called scout flies, and they're just like green glowing bugs that start leading you the way. Like once you've picked up the full scent of the thing that you're mm-hmm. after. So so you bring up a good point. Those scout flies are essentially your tutorial tool. Right. So if you ever are lost, these scout flies will show you where to go, show you points of interest, and really make it easy for you to pick up where you may have left off or just find the next thing so you can advance the story. Exactly. I feel like we need to talk about the controls because I, I think that that is, that is very important. If, uh, if you've ever played a game like a Dark Souls or a Bloodborne, the controls are very similar. Um, it's got a combat style where you pick a weapon. And this weapon has different attributes. So if you have a giant axe, you might press the the uh, quick attack button and your character will warm up for a second and then hit. Right. And if you hit the heavy attack, your character might really warm up for four seconds and then hit. So yeah. a lot of it is kind of like a rhythm game where you really need to anticipate what kind of attacks you can get in before a monster hits you. Right. And... I know the other Monster Hunter games are like that. I wasn't sure how I was going to acclimate to that because, I mean, doing it in Bloodborne is one thing. You're fighting, like, humans and demons. But when you're fighting big monsters that have all these different attack patterns, I wasn't sure how it worked. But I really, I like it. It's funny you say that because I would have expected based on, I mean, when you play Street Fighter, you're like, 
here are the button combos and sure. all this. And I'm more of a button masher generally when I do stuff. Uh, so I was really worried that I would feel like it was too complicated because like that part of a game is usually just not the most interesting to me. Well, I think you picking the bow is smart because it's such a precision focal point weapon. Yeah. So and there are few enough different patterns that I think as the weapon scales up, you have adjusted. Mm -hmm. And so you can, you know, I am using an attack a lot where I have to push two buttons at once, which is like a lot for me. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I was surprised at how not frustrating that was. And, you know, I picked a mid-range weapon in terms of distance because Mm -hmm. I don't like to, like, be right up. Up close. Yeah. And so that helps me with like feelings of frustration fighting a big mm-hmm. monster or whatever i i have a question what do you have fun playing this game i do i have a lot of fun i have a i have a second question yes would you recommend this game to other people yeah okay all right see that's the thing you hesitate you hesitate right so why 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 do you hesitate on there that? are a lot of things here's what's interesting about it i would i would recommend it to somebody who plays a lot of video games. Mm-hmm. Um, I do, This is apparently like a Capcom thing, but I didn't know that. But there, the menu, the HUD mm-hmm. system is intense. I yeah. mean, we, bo- we have like pretty good sized TVs and we don't sit that far away from them. And I feel like I need to like get closer to see all the stuff on yeah, there. You're going to need glasses. Yeah, I mean, there's I have glasses. Yeah. There's like an elaborate crafting system and just so many things on the screen at once Mm -hmm. that are it's useful information but i think i told you when we first started playing i felt like this was designed to be to be played on pc where you're sitting right in front of it or something because it just it felt so crowded to me um and that's something that i would just want to make sure people knew before they were getting into it and secondly there are a lot of sort of structural things about it that are really clunky. Like anybody who ever complains about Destiny needs to play this game because it is so difficult. First of all, you can't actually cooperatively play all every of it, mission, yeah. Right? Which, you know, Destiny takes care of that by like Destiny 2, there's a solo mission at the beginning and basically as soon as you're done with that, then everything else mm-hmm. is in this MMO area. Yeah. This seems, and I don't know, the pattern that I am detecting is that whenever story beats happen, you can't do that part with other people. But it's not always clear. They don't, like, tell you up front. You can only do story missions if both of you are on the same story mission or if your partner has already been through that mission. But also, you can't do story missions, even if both of you are in the same place, if there's a cutscene in the story mission. It's really unnecessarily weird yeah basically it seems like this cutscene issue has like divided completely so many people. It, well I, I think it i think it they're letting it drive the whole process which is weird to me because again like destiny is my big mmo go-to because it's the only other one i've really played but mm-hmm. you just each have your own cutscene. like that doesn't seem to be that challenging to me i don't know how it works on the back end but for whatever reason, that's not what they did for Monster Hunter World. So you, we've definitely had, and because they don't make it super clear, like it, it would be different if something came up and said, 
this mission has a cutscene, so you have to do it by yourself. Mm-hmm. Like that would be way better. But the whole system of even getting together with someone else is a little convoluted to begin with. They never really inform you of what the rules are from the outset, and and this is this is kind of what the meat of my thought on the game is. It's my first Monster Hunter. Everyone's been telling me it's the most accessible Monster Hunter game that they've ever made, which, based wow. on what I know <laughs> about other Monster Hunter games, probably accurate. But I, I really love the game, and this is a game that I've been like thinking about at work, and like I want to reserve parts of our weekend just to play together. I have a lot of fun playing it. But some of the design decisions are just so... It's like... It's made me think, what are they thinking? Yeah, so here's an interesting example. So like I said, you the way that the, the gameplay kind of cycles is you have a handler that you work with. Mm-hmm. The There are assigned quests. So mm-hmm. there are optional ones where you can go hunt things that... Which but then are open to co-op sure. easily. But then the assigned ones, which we're still early enough that that's mostly what we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. The assigned ones... You talk to your handler. She says, you should, you know, we're running into this beast out in this part of the area. And we need you to take care of it so we can set up a new camp. Okay. You accept that conversation. Mm-hmm. Then you have to post a quest. Mm-hmm. Like you have been given this quest, but you have to post it now. Mm-hmm. And then you can post it so that you can do it. Mm-hmm. Or you can post it and set it up, maybe, it's, so other people can do it. But even if you're just like, okay, this is a story quest I'm going to go do, you have to take this weird extra step of, like, posting it. Well, and, and that's the thing. I, I feel, I don't want to, I really don't want to make it seem like we're beating up on the game. But the fact of the matter is, listen, I played an awful lot of Destiny 2 where they streamlined all of these systems to make it convenient to get into a game. And you, you like Capcom, you have the example right there. Just when you speak to somebody and you get a quest, just have it be put in a quest log. You shouldn't have to go post a quest. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Like, it makes sense if you're posting it to this board so that other people could come do it. Mm-hmm. But then you still have to post quests that you can't do with other people. Yeah. And the error you get if you want to invite people is just, like, you can't invite anybody right now. And it's the same error you would get if it was because this quest has a cutscene in it, so you can't do it with someone else, or if it's because you're, like, not online or something. So, and the second wrinkle to this is, some of these quests, you can post an SOS flare in the middle of the, in the middle of the battle. Right. And you, random like, actually people, set a flare off. Yeah and, yeah, and, like, either randoms or people that have your session ID can come find you. But the session IDs are, like, alphanumeric 10-character 10, 10 passcodes that kind of difficult to relate to somebody yeah and, and you can't just easily invite somebody so i i there are there's like guild cards that you can exchange in game that i think are supposed to make some of that a little bit easier but it does feel like they wanted to dissuade people from playing it together or something a little bit and and this is kind of my my beef with the game I love playing it. I think it's really fun. I can see us playing this for the rest of the year and being really happy with it. At what point does the game become like too much of a hassle? Well, I think part of it does just get easier. And this is where I hesitated with my recommendation because we haven't talked about this too much, but the playing together part is extremely fun. Yeah. Um, And I think we'll talk about that a little bit more, but when I would recommend it, 
like to say another couple, mm-hmm. I think it would be good if at least one of them was very comfortable with wonky game systems mm-hmm. because somebody really has to take charge in, you know, really know the figuring ins and outs out of when it. they can set things up so the two people can share. Like when you do create a joint session, you have to add a password, which is not that alphanumeric code you were talking about. It's, it's something a different. different password. So. Yeah, somebody has to be comfortable and willing to sort of sift through that. I do think it's worth it. Um, And when we play together, and even with other friends, too, it's just really fun. Yeah, like it it feels very collaborative. Like, every time that Liz and I have played with other people or we play with each other, whenever we find clues to, to hunt down a monster, it really feels like we're adding all of the sum of these parts into into like a really great whole. Right. I, I really dig the fact that you can be searching on one part of the map, find a bunch of materials and then find footprints. And then I can find footprints and it can lead us to the same destination. It's all going into the same. Yeah. Same so you counter. don't have to stay very close together. If you're playing in the same session with somebody, you're just like kind of in the same instance of mm-hmm. the world. And I, to me, it's if you've ever played, Horizon mm-hmm. Zero Dawn or any Dragon Age games or um, what's the big one? That I was going to say Fallout. Well, or Fallout or um, Fallout's a little different in terms of genre. Mm-hmm. Uh, Just in terms of the world, there's there's well, a lot of geography. What I was going to say is, yeah, if you've ever played any of those games and been like, this would be fun if one of my friends could just like jump in here mm-hmm. and like walk around with me in this world. That's what it's like. So um, to bring up Destiny again. It's sort of one thing there is a lot of the scenery is kind of similar. And I think they've gotten flack about that. Destiny 2 is better, but like a lot of the areas, it's basically you go to the same area over and over again. I know I'm going to fight the hive. I know I'm going to fight. Right. This, I think, has a lot more distinct. Like variety? Yeah. Like there's a lot of variety. It's so dense. It's, you know, a big part of it. You're like in a jungle that there's so much stuff everywhere and then there's like a desert area and there's other areas we haven't even gotten to yet so it's a really cool thing to just be in there exploring with a friend Mm -hmm. and i think that's why it feels different from like a shooter that's an mmo because you're not really like running around and exploring and seeing cool stuff in those games it's mostly like you're just shooting things see i i i kind of disagree because i think in a shooter all of your cues have to be visual and i think a lot of the environments in destiny inform you of where you are what you should be doing and i think the level design in destiny is pretty great i think in monster hunter the emphasis is placed on the creatures and the wildlife and some of the backgrounds are very really lush but it's more about observing the creatures than it is the environment yeah i guess i've never played destiny with you where we weren't kind of running through things sure like i don't remember ever playing destiny or seeing you play destiny where everyone just stops and looks around i well it's like the first or second time you go through like the first time i saw the vault of glass i was in awe but i've also done that like a hundred times yeah so you know maybe i'm talking out of school but i i do think that the world is just so interesting and different to me from any other game like that that i've seen i'm i really want to talk more about this subject and i want to talk about the story but I also know that we have a new show on the Versus the Universe Network that I want to run a commercial for. So why don't we do that? When we come back, we'll talk about that. And also, I want to tell the audience what we named our cats. Oh, yeah. You want to do it? Yeah. All right, let's clink on it. See you soon. Do you experience nerd rage? 
Are you displeased by Seven of Nine's impractically sexualized costume? This jumpsuit is inefficient. Are you exhausted by keeping up with what number Final Fantasy we're on? I thought it was the Final Fantasy! Do you lie awake at night wondering if a female character will ever survive Supernatural? Does it even matter if I get to binge watch the Winchesters in private? Then you might be suffering from Fanger the righteous anger of the discerning fan. The only known cure for fanger is Fanfix, a bi-weekly podcast dissecting our most beloved pop culture. Join host Nicole Keating and her guests as they unpack what they hate the most about what they love the most. Fanfix is a Versus the Universe production. Do not listen to fanfix if you are allergic to fanfics. Side effects of fanfix include laughter, critical thinking, Netflix binges, margin notes, frequent eye rolling that may lead to permanent side eye, and an uncontrollable urge to rate and review fanfics on iTunes. Fanfix, because no fandom is beyond repair. That's a new show that's going to be on the Versus the Universe Network. Oh, today. We released their first episode on February 1st. It's right. called Fanfix, so go check it out. I think it's a little appropriate, actually, to what we're talking about. Because yeah. we like this game, but we're suggesting some tweaks yeah. a little bit. And, and, and this is this is sort of the thing. Like, I feel like so many of the games that um, I am going to be buying soon or have bought in the past year are remasters or reboots or streamlined and like definitive editions of games that I've loved before like Shadow of the Colossus has this uh remaster reboot coming out and that is one of my favorite games of all time and it's a perfect game like Destiny 2 took a game that I loved and streamlined it made it better and to see a game go out and really swing for the fences and have a few warts on it it's a little new like I love the game. I really am happy that we're playing Monster Hunter World for the first time uh, together. But yeah, it's it's a little yeah. It uses it needs a little fan fix. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and maybe not. Maybe it's just people are used to the systems now that they have, and it's not going to ever get streamlined. And so I shouldn't hope for that. I would certainly already be interested in playing the next iteration of this oh, yeah. game, whatever they do. Well, and I I think I think one of the things is um, it is a Capcom game. And all Capcom games have this exact kind of matchmaking system that is not great. Oh, really? Resident Evil 6 had a matchmaking system that was just really not fantastic. Um, Resident Evil 5 had an even worse one. Um, And when you say matchmaking, you mean setting you up with other people to play. Yeah, Resident Evil 5 and 6 were were co-op games that I would love to play one of those with you one of these days. I didn't know that they were co-op like that. Mm Mm-hmm. Sounds terrifying. It's, they're not scary. That's the thing. They're just like you say that. I watched you play Resident Evil Seven. Seven is so different. Mm. So different. Anyway, uh, but Lost Planet, when another Capcom game had awful matchmaking, the only good Capcom game, or the only Capcom game that has good matchmaking is Street Fighter, because like all you got to do is put people online to fight in an arena. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's get down to the important business though. In this game, like we said at the top of the show. You can have a cat companion. You yes. can have a Robin to your Batman in the form of this little tiny cat. Liz, what did you name your cat Palico companion? I named my cat Scallop. 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 And what Scallop look like? Uh, Scallop has like purple and blue and violet fur with, I think, some white 
like it's not white it's almost like an orangey white mm-hmm. uh patches and i set her up to i think she now so you can you can build armor for your palico mm-hmm. too it's so much fun whenever, so it's like whenever you kill a certain type of monster you collect bones and other parts from them it's not graphic or anything but you like have them and then you can use those things to build armor so my palico has like this huge sword right now or something (laughs) and uh i think she has like a weird skull necklace oh you put that one on (laughs) yeah it's pretty good so um my palico i went back and forth between naming my palico liam neeson or spaghetti I ended up naming my Palico Liam Neeson, but we have a pact that we'll always call the Palico Spaghetti. So you and you and Spaghetti have this pact. Me and Liam Spaghetti Neeson, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, my Palico has uh, uh, dark purple hair, yellow eyes, carries a lute, and has this bone armor all around it. And uh, oh, and a uh, a knight's a knight's uh, like helmet. Helm. Oh, it's yeah. so great. It's I good. really love it. And the so the palicos don't sp- like you clearly are supposed to understand them, but they don't speak English. No. They speak like yeah, but then there's like subtitles which will tell you what they said. Um It's a really fun like cute weird part of the game that these and they they like exist out in the world too you might Mm -hmm. encounter one people would just like accept the fact that these cats are walking on their hind legs and also wielding weapons and like yeah it's cats right yeah it's a it's such a weird game but it's very fun it's got a lot of charm to it and it uh i feel like it's not as uh it's not as sexual as i would expect from like a capcom game i will i mean maybe it's not as sexual i have like i'm expecting a bunch of panty shots and shit because okay well i've seen them though really yeah so Ah. if you choose to play as a female character oh yes your like the leg armor doesn't ever cover everything it's always like chaps Mm -hmm. and it's very obnoxious like i i basically you can download, or I, I think it was DLC or something. I'm able to like put samurai gear on, and I put the samurai waist thing on because it covers that part. But if you wear a regular like outfit from the game, and then you walk upstairs, it's totally like an up the butt shot. Yeah, I totally redact what I said because as yeah. soon as you said that, I was like, "Oh yeah, the thighs." Yeah, because I and made it's very my pers- frustrating yeah. to me. Like, it's yeah. not even. It would be different even if you had other options. Like, I don't care if somebody wants to play as like a femme fatale or something, but there really are no options that like cover all of your thigh, mm-hmm. which is so stupid when you're fighting like these big poisonous monsters and stuff. So yeah, that's a complaint that I have. I mean, you're able to sort of get around it by. And, you know, there's probably going to be more stuff in the future that covers more. But mm-hmm. the things at the beginning are not covering a lot um, in that area. Like, I will say at least, and, you know, this because this is where we are in society. I'm very happy that she has, like, a full-ass shirt on. And, like, you know, I'm able to not have cleavage showing. Man, that's the bar. It is the bar. Clear, yeah. Like- well, and, I mean, you already said, like... A lot of the other games are, I mean, Street Fighter, come on. So uh, Yeah, and Street Fighter kind of makes it a point to exploit stereotypes and, like, pick a country and say, we're going to 
we're gonna just go to town on what we think this country represents uh but yeah yeah monster hunter is a, a little a little less overt yeah so i mean it's better than other things i've played it's not as good as for example horizon zero dawn in that area horizon is just like a perfect game i know um yeah so and that i guess that kind of leads into we usually talk about the aesthetic of a game which mm-hmm. we've sort of touched on a little bit yeah, yeah. But, um, but let's talk about that a little bit more what's interesting to me is that the world itself is very vibrant mm-hmm. but i feel like the colors are a little bit muted it's which a, is it's a bit washed out yeah which is kind of for no particular reason and i think you'll notice if you look up screenshots it almost makes you feel like you can't see it that well because the colors are muted but like it's sharp and everything yeah it, it, like there's definitely a lot going on it's a it's a vibrant game it it has a lot of really lovely animations and um one of the things that I love about the game is that when you're fighting these monsters, you might say, where's the health bar? Well, looking at the monster and seeing what parts of the monster are hurt and how it's moving right. is the health bar. So, so much of the game relies on visuals. And um, the monsters, the big ones, pop a little bit more than others, but everything seems like it's a little bit dried out it kind of looks like a photograph was left in the sun a little too long yeah um that is a good point about the health bars and you basically most monsters have like four legs and a tail and a head right and then each of those parts individually can be kind of like worn down Mm -hmm. to where they start limping and that kind of thing and there is a like there's something that we haven't done so much yet where you're catching them too. You can like catch them yeah. and bring them back to Astera for study. Like there's so many interesting things you can do and little I feel sub-quests. bad because I don't want to like I'm like I'm hurting you because that's what the game tells me to do. But I'm waiting to find like a good monster. Well, I mean, if you think of like a T-Rex thing, it's trying to eat you. So yeah. there's only so much you can do. One one of the monsters that I was I kind of fell in love with, even though it was kicking my ass was uh it's a it's a sea monster that would uh go into these mud pits cover itself in mud and then go into the sun the mud would harden on top of it giving it armor so whenever i would hurt it too badly it would go retreat and put more armor on and it took me it took me like a good 30 minutes which by the way all the missions are timed they'll say like you have a minutes. 50 minute or a, yeah. or a 30 minute timer to do this um i started to appreciate how i would approach trying to fight these monsters and it made me really sad whenever i wasn't playing with somebody else because some of them are hard but yeah. uh but this this monster to have a completely unique move set and set of priorities and skills uh and and they're all like that it's it's a very intriguing encounter whenever you come against something that you're not sure about right yeah i guess it shouldn't come as a surprise since monster hunter is literally their whole bread and butter mm-hmm. but it really is this, like, I remembered as you were saying that when you're fighting these monsters, especially the bigger ones, you end up going all over the map. Because, mm-hmm. like you said, they retreat, they go to other places, and then you have to track them again. Like, I don't think I've played another game where I really felt like I was on a hunt as much. Mm-hmm. Um, which, again, can be fun when there's other people. And that also means that you can kind of explore a little in between. Um, it's not as overwhelming. But when I think of... Because I, I, I thought when I first heard of this, is it just like a bunch of boss battles? Mm-hmm. And in a way it is, but you're not just like stuck in this one clearing over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, and we talked about the co-op a little bit. So you can't hurt, you don't hurt other people yeah, when you're playing with there's them. There's no which friendly is nice. fire. You can't interrupt their attacks. Mm-hmm. 
um, which is something to be aware of. So if you got a big swinging sword and somebody else is charging up an attack, don't swing your sword around them because you will cancel their movement. Right, and it's really sad for everybody. We haven't really had too much of that happen, though. No, I'm I'm thinking... So we, we talked a little bit about weapon choices, and what I understand is that you really end up having to be proficient in more than one type of weapon. You can pull it out, and like basically you plan ahead of time for certain types of monsters to attack them in certain ways with certain types of ammunition and coatings and that kind of thing. So, and there's traps that you can build. Which, which I, I know enjoy. is totally your jam. Yeah. Um, I'm very into like the passive. Yeah, the passive, passive capture. Passive fighting. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so for instance, uh, Liz has bow and arrow. I have, a, I have this really cool weapon called an insect glaive that allows me to vault into the air and also send out this kinsect that can sap energy from monsters. But uh, if I was going up against something that was weak to lightning, I could soak my weapon in uh, some sort of like thunder coating that would do a little bit more damage. So right. if you can identify what the weaknesses are to a monster ahead of time, you can be better equipped, go in and end it a little bit earlier. Right. So did you learn anything about playing with me? Um, I, I learned that we both have patience to, to like kind of get through all the menus and like find right. that sweet nougat at the middle of that, <laughs> middle of that candy. But uh, no, I just... I, I'm I'm happy that we're both trying something new for the first time, mm-hmm. and I was worried that one of us would love it while the other kind of like fell off. No, we both really dig it. I'm happy about yeah. that. Yeah, well, and it's nice to sort of we I think we like it a little bit for some different things, and we like to celebrate different parts of it a little bit more, which makes the system really nice. That. You don't, you know, you're not like locked on the same screen together. Mm -hmm. You don't even have to be within a certain distance of each other, anything. You're just in the same world at the same time, basically. Mm -hmm. And eventually you both catch up to a monster. But it's fun and it's fun to like kind of talk while we're going through a fight like that. And it makes grinding, which is a big part of a lot of those games, grinding meaning like, you know, Going and kind activity. of doing the same thing over and over again, just like hunting for herbs and that kind of thing. Like that still is fun because you're doing it with a friend. Mm-hmm. I I really don't like games where I have to say it's a fantastic game once you get like the the gameplay loop down. But this really is one of those games where if you can get through the menus and just like get to the meat of the game and kind of fast forward past all the tutorial. Right. There's a lot to love. Yeah, I'm definitely accepting that I'm going to slowly pick up some of the more complicated, just like system crafting issues. and all, like crafting's yeah. not terrible, but like it's just there are a lot of little yeah yeah symbols, a and, lot of rough edges. Right, but, but the the gameplay is so good. It's just so fun, and yeah. I mean, I'm definitely trying to think like, can I get my sister to play? Can I get mm-hmm. my cousins? Like that. It's that kind of a game that would be fun. Yeah, and not, I think, too frustrating and competitive between players, mm-hmm. which I like. Yeah, you all you all have the same goal: just bring yeah. down the beast, so and then you all get loot. Unless there's a part that I'm missing, um, as far as cooperativeness goes, when you are playing with other people, it's. 100% cooperative. Mm-hmm. You do have, um, like I said, you can interrupt each other's attacks. There's not 
it's not 100% purely cooperative the way some of the board games are that we talk about because, I mean, really, we could both be in the same instance and you could just do all of the work <laughs> and that would be fine. So, um, and I don't know if I faint, like if I fainted or died or whatever, I don't know that we would both lose. You get three faints. I mean, I meant like together. Oh. Like I think if I got taken out of it, you would still be there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I experienced um, that with some randos last night. Oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. In that sense, um, it's like mostly cooperative when you do the cooperative parts, mm-hmm. but uh, I thought that that part of it worked really well. Speaking of cooperative parts, why don't we take a trip to the cooperative credits department? We should do that. You want to do that? You want to do it this time? Oh, it's me. Yeah, it's you. I did okay. the intro, so you get the outro. All right. Are you ready for this? Dun, 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 I thought that's what you, that's the intro. This podcast is produced every other week for your enjoyment. Come back often and feel free to add the Cooperatives podcast to your favorite podcatcher. Reviews are very, very welcome. We love reviews. They help us. They help other people find us, which is nice. Find us. They help the show succeed. You can also follow us on Twitter at CooperativesPod and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash CooperativesPod. If there is a particular game you think we should play and discuss, or if you want to play Monster Hunter World with us on PS4, Heck yeah. you should totally reach out to us. Uh, you can send us an email at cooperativespod at gmail.com. You can leave us a message on social media. Uh, I'm yeah. Paperback Lizard mm-hmm. is I'm, my Twitter and my PSN. I am I'm Aaron J. And if you want to find me on PSN, my name is Callsign Hilo. Yeah. For all so, those Tomo Panicate Battlestar Galactica fans out there. Hey, I'm sure there are several. Oh my god, he's my favorite character. And I think that's it. That's about it. I think that's all she wrote. Yeah, uh, I can tell you that uh, our, our friends at Spar Games sent us a copy of Master Thief, which we got to play this game like two years ago at New Year's. I know. I'm so excited I, to see what I it's like in its oh, final man. state. It's we, on deck. We really, really liked it. I think that's going to be our next episode. And then uh, and then we got some other stuff coming up. But yeah, it's going to be a good old time. Totes. I think our next episode comes out like right on Valentine's Day or the day before. Uh, mushy. Uh, gross. All right, bye. All right, bye. We love you. Bye.